Well, I'm excited to uh, be able to continue uh, for walking through the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, the Sermon on the Mount has been an incredible journey. I don't know about you, but every week I'm just like, man, I did not know that. Uh, some weeks I'm like, I wish I didn't know that. Um, now I'm just like, you know, it's just unbelievable. But I want to walk us through uh, the, our next section, which is on oath. So if you would, would you stand and turn uh, in your Bibles uh, to Matthew 5, 33 through 37? And you can actually uh, follow along uh, on the side screens as well. So let's read uh, the word of God for us today together. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black." Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. This is the living word of God for us today. Let's just pray a simple prayer before you take a seat. Father, we ask by your spirit through your word today that Jesus, you would help us know how we follow you and live out these values of your kingdom. I pray this in your name, amen. Well, we just uh, got back uh, from uh, fall break, and we, we spent fall break in, in Michigan, and so my dad was turning 70, and we were actually able to do a surprise party for him, and it was, it was unbelievable. And if, you're, if you've ever been in the, the northern states uh, during fall, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, the colors are just vibrant and, and deep, and so like that, as we're driving north, like that's what we were starting to see, just the, the colors starting to come. And anytime that I'm taking a road trip, I'm always asking people, hey, what are you listening to? What's a good audio book? What's a good podcast? And uh, I, I'm into like, I don't know why, but on long drives, I get into like crime stories where they like solve these crimes. And you're like, if it wasn't for this podcast, this person wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like those type of things, right? So uh, I, I started listening to this podcast and I was already preparing for the text. And it was so, it was so ironic because I'm in this part of this podcast and this, they're, they're in the courtroom and there's this one defense attorney who represents like the mob, okay? He's like the, he's like the guy the mob goes to. I don't know if you'd wanna be that guy, but this, this was that guy, okay? And he, he would get these criminals off and like free of all these charges and all these things. And so the way that he would do it is he would come into the courtroom and he would just pick apart the witnesses and just to kind of throw out these outlandish tales about them, these, these false narratives about them. And he would fill the court with so much disinformation that they had no idea well, what was true and what was false. And so then by the time the jury would kind of go to deliberate, they'd be like, you know, there's just like, like differing viewpoints and differing narratives about each of the witnesses. And they kind of raised this reasonable doubt. And so that's how he would do it. And I just thought how ironic it was as I was sitting there, I was just like, that feels like the time and age that we're in right now. I feel like I'm in that courtroom where there's so much information, there's so much disinformation, there's so much bias, there's so much things. And I just like screaming out, I just like, I just wanna know the truth. Like, would someone just tell me like what the truth is and, and what, it, what the actual story is? I mean, don't you kind of feel like that, especially in election season right now? Like you just feel like, man, 
And Lloyd summarized it really well. And he said this statement, he says, we are bloated with information, but starving for truth. And I just thought, man, that just rings so true. So in this environment that we find ourselves, what does it mean to be someone who says yes or no, and it's true? That's the value that Jesus is saying of what it means to be in this new humanity, this new kingdom that he's ushering in. What is it like to live in the values of him as our king, of that as our kingdom? What does it look like for us to live this out so that our yes would be yes and our no would be no? Jesus has come to restore all things and for us to be this new humanity. So the issue at hand is why don't we present what is true, but rather need to swear oaths to make our words have more weight? And maybe you're coming into this week and you're like, okay, we're talking about oaths. Eric, I can't remember the last time I swore an oath. I think I'm good this week. I mean, anybody there, they're like, okay, like the last couple of weeks have been pretty heavy, but you know what? Oaths, I think I'm, this is like the one place I feel like I'm following Jesus pretty well, okay? I'm just here to tell you, like, as we dive below the waterline of what Jesus is going to talk about, like, man, just brace yourself because we need the Spirit to teach us what does it mean to follow what Jesus is actually saying. And just like we've been uh, discovering this iceberg illustration. Hey, Michael, I think they're, uh, there we go. There we go. Now it's pulling up. Okay, so just like in this iceberg illustration, what we see is only above the surface. So the whole thing is, is the iceberg, but what we see is actually just above the waterline. And Jesus, throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount, what he's been showing us is the whole thing we need to be taken in consideration, the whole heart. So what's above the waterline is what you say. That's what people see. And then what's below the waterline going on is we actually need to pay attention to this. And if these two things above what we say, above the waterline, doesn't match what's below, what do we call that? It's a lie. Jesus is actually calling us to live with such integrity that what's above the waterline, what people see, the 10% of what people see, of what we say, of what they hear us saying, actually matches what's below the waterline. So that's what Jesus is calling us to. And so the way we could talk about in this text would be to actually say what is above the waterline needs to match what is below. So what you say, let me go back to this, what you say actually needs to be what it matches below, true and trustworthy. Now, this isn't something that like all, you know, that I'm like calling you to. This is something when I look at myself, what I say doesn't often match what's below the waterline. Like what I say, I might say something, but like what's below the waterline of, of my emotions or of my desires or, or even, you know, those type of things, like it doesn't actually line up with what I'm communicating. But what you hear is this. But if you knew what was under the waterline, you'd be like, ooh, he was just saying that to like, so I would view him a certain way. Or he was just saying that so, you know, it kind of almost felt like I was being used there. That's what we're gonna dive into. So how do we actually match up what's above the waterline of what we say to what's below the water, that it would be true and trust, trustworthy. Sometimes, you know, I say things to self-protect or all those type of things. But here, this is the fourth example of what Jesus is talking about, that we need to have a righteousness that exceeds that of the Pharisees. 
So people of the day would have been like, the Pharisees are at the highest standard. So how, how, do, we, how do we live into that? So here's how Jesus is gonna break that down. Here's the outline. But I wanna just, just say this. When we think about our words, there's this proverb that comes to mind, that come, it comes to, to mind for me, that Proverbs 18, 21, and you've probably heard this said. It has a sobering statement. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Have you ever heard that? Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, I have always thought that that proverb was talking about, okay, what I say to you, that what is on my tongue for you would be life or death for you. Like that's always how I interpret it. But what Jesus is saying, no, it's actually more than that. What we say is actually bringing life or death to us. Because he goes on to say, if, if it doesn't match up, if what you say isn't yes or no, it actually comes from the evil one. So this has like huge weight and consequences. So here's what Jesus is gonna do in, in verses 33 through 37. He's gonna talk about what's above the waterline, what's going on. Then he's gonna talk about what's below the waterline in verses 34 to 36. And then he's gonna help us see what we must do. So that's the, that's the outline that we're gonna walk through. So let's start here. If you're in your, in your Bibles or on your phone, verse 33, let's look at verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. So anytime we're looking at the scriptures, we need to ask the question, okay, what's the context going on? What's, what's happening here in this verse? What's happening around this, this part of the section of scripture? What's happening in the, the scheme of the, the whole Bible and the, the story arc of the whole Bible? But then we need to ask, what's the context of the day? So what was happening in, in that day? And so in that day, what was happening was, you know, if we're putting ourselves into this, this passage of what's, what's going on, people would actually um, say these things. They would, they would call upon these oaths. And this is a pretty standard way of looking at it. Now, this wasn't talking about just one law, but the, the practices of oaths in the Old Testament. So what was happening was that people started uh, drawing on things outside of themselves to make their word seem more true. Okay, so the practicing these, these things. Now, he, Jesus is talking about vows or making an oath. And you make an oath when you say something, and as a guarantee, you invoke something greater than yourselves. So like, I'm saying this, but in order to give it more weight, I'm gonna invoke something else. Does that make sense? So I'm calling upon something else so that you'll, you'll feel like kind of the weight of it. Now, this practice started happening with the Pharisees and scribes, and, and they started taking this and going, you know what, we can't, we can't invoke God himself so if we misuse the name, that would be like misusing the name of God or bearing false witness. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna invoke some really serious things in order to bring more weight that you'll take me more seriously, okay? But then they used to start doing this and taking oaths in this way of how can I manipulate or deceive or, or kind of get, get you to think what I'm saying is true, but then kind of get you on the particulars of how I said it. So let me give you this example, an agricultural example of the day. Now, this type of thing would happen, okay? So this is, they're gonna invoke something else in order to kind of deceive the other person to serve themselves. Okay, so there's this farmer who doesn't have a donkey, 
okay? We can all relate to this, right? There's this farmer who doesn't have a donkey, but in, in his town, kind of the social status of the town is like, you, you, you need to have a donkey, okay? Everybody has a donkey, and, and so he, but he's only got goats. And so he's just like, man, I really kind of want to move up the social status and I need to get a donkey. So what does he do? He finds a guy who's willing to sell one of his donkeys for some goats. And he's, he's working out the deal with him. And the donkeyless far, farmer is just like, okay, what, what's it going to take to get one of your donkeys? The guy goes, well, you know, I, I want some purebred goats. Everyone, you know what I'm talking about, purebred goats, you know? You guys have seen those. And so he's just like, okay, yeah, I've got, I've, got, uh, I've got three of those, but he knows he only has two. And so the donkeyless farmer already knows like what I'm gonna give him isn't what he needs to make the deal, but I wanna make it happen so much that I'm willing to kind of like deceive a little bit. And so he says, okay, great. We'll meet at this, this such and such a date. You bring the three purebred goats. I'll bring the donkey. The deal will happen. And he says, and he, he kind of see that the, the deal's kind of shaky, that he doesn't quite, you know, so he throws in, you know what? I swear by Jerusalem that I will bring you three purebred goats. And the guy's like, okay. You know, he kind of added some extra weight to it. He said, okay, they shake hands. The deal, deal's done. Show up a couple of days later. The, guy, the donkeyless, insecure farmer who doesn't have a donkey comes in. He only brings, you know, he brings the three, but only two of them are purebred. The guy who brings the donkey is just like, hey, what's, what's going on? This third one doesn't quite seem up to par. And he says, well, I swore by Jerusalem that I would bring you three purebred goats, but I didn't swear toward Jerusalem. Do you see what he did there? He just like, he just changed. And that's how you, that's how they would do it. They would deceive by saying, I told you this, but like, but really I didn't swear toward Jerusalem. And that's what actually makes the oath the thing. Doesn't it feel like, have you, whenever you're a kid, do you ever make a deal with somebody? And they, then they were like, ah, but I had my fingers crossed. Do you know, has that ever happened to you? If you had siblings, that happened to you. It's some, like some way, shape or form. But that's how they would deceive. They would, they would alter an oath to bring in something that made you feel like they, they had more weight. But they would, they would kind of just change a word around and say, but I didn't say this, or I didn't call in this. And so it would just kind of like, you know, you just didn't know what ground you stood, but they had to call. So oaths or vows weren't wrong. In fact, God, God told his people like ways of how you can take oaths or vows. It wasn't wrong in the Old Testament, but what, what is happening is they're starting to make these oaths in order to actually deceive people to get their own way, how to use people, distort God's original plan in order to fulfill themselves. Now, if they pulled God's name into it, like, again, that would be bad. But so they started to just name things that had weight to pull into it, to make their words seem more true. Now, if, let's turn to Matthew 23, 16 through 22. You're going to see an even clearer example of, of what was going on here. It, it kind of highlight a little bit of that story that I told you. Matthew 23, 16 through 22. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, do you see how they did that? Like if someone like swore by the temple, but no, I swear by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? 
And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. So this is what they were doing. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. Whoever swears by the temple swears by it, but also him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and him who sits on it. So again, this is kind of just pointing out like what they would do. They say, you know, I swear by the temple, but no, I swear by the gold of the temple. They would just keep elevating these certain things or, or keep changing these words in order to deceive, to get what they wanted. Now, Jesus is clearly saying, quit playing the games. You're calling people, you're calling me into it. You're calling God into it, even if you're not naming God. That's what he's, that's what he's saying here. Even if you just name the thing, it's like, well, what makes the gift sacred? What makes the altar sacred? It, it isn't the gold, it's God. So you're calling me into it, even if you're not naming that. And we're gonna see how he unpacks that a little bit. But this is what fallen humanity does. We take God's original intent to enjoy him, enjoy his creation and how we're to experience flourishing with him and with others. And we start bending things to use things for our own desires to fill ourselves. Dallas Willard, in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, uh, walks through the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount and he, and he says this, the essence of swearing or making oaths is to try to use something that though impressive is irrelevant to the issue at hand to get others to believe you and let you have your way. But the wrongness of swearing lies deeper. Here, we're gonna drop below the, the surface just a little bit. We are making use of people trying to bypass their understanding and their judgment to trigger their will and possess them for our purposes. So if we're just looking above the waterline, we would say, okay, we're saying something, but what are we actually doing below the waterline? We're saying, hey, I wanna cover what's actually happening here to manipulate you, to view something a certain way so I can fulfill my desires. That's what's happening below the surface. So above the surface, you might hear my words and they sound good. They sound like they're weighty. They sound like they're true. But below the waterline, I'm actually doing deception so that you'll view me a certain way, so that you view this kind of thing in a certain way so I can actually get what I want. That's what Jesus is exposing in their practice. It's a method of manipulation to use others to dull their understanding. Let's continue on. So what's going on below the waterline, verse 40, uh, 34 through 36? Let's look at that. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black." So Jesus is actually saying, listen, don't take an oath at all. Because here's the, here's the thing. Jesus is actually, this is, this is pretty, pretty monumental of what he's actually doing here. He's saying, listen, don't, let's not talk about uh, the, the footstool and the, and the temple and all those things. What is he doing here? He's saying God owns it all. 
God's presence is everywhere. So what they were trying to do is do this like gymnastics of not calling God's name into it, but calling like weighty religious things into it. And Jesus is saying, listen, you can't do that because what makes the gift sacred, what makes the temple sacred, it's, it's him who dwells in it and his presence is actually everywhere. And he even goes to the point of saying, even your hairs on your head, you don't own or have control over God owns everything. He's sovereign over all. So even when you don't think you're calling God into it, you're actually bringing him in because he is over all and he is the ruler of all and sustainer of all and his presence is everywhere. Do you see what Jesus did there? He said, you can't take oaths anymore because the things you're calling in to make weightier, you think you're not bringing me into, but you actually are because I am over all. I am I, I am the one who makes everything sacred. Think about um, just this, this version of the situation that they're bringing in. Uh, we could easily call it the, the manipulation that they're doing uh, spin. You know, they're spinning their own version of it. Now, I think we're, we're familiar with like spinning something, spinning the narrative to kind of tell the way you want it. I mean, how many of you guys watch, you watch marketing and watch ads and you're just like, man, that's, that actually is a piece of junk, but they're spinning it in a way. It's like, my life isn't complete if I don't have this. I mean, what, what, would, it, what would happen if all of our commercials and marketing actually took out spin? It would sound something like this, like this car is overpriced. It will depreciate by 30% when you drive it off the lot. You'll have to work a lot more and make payments for two years, you know, two plus years. And the technologies that, that's in the car is actually gonna be obsolete and it'll actually probably cause more problems than what you think. I mean, that's, there's no spin, right? Like, it's just the honest truth. Like, who's going to buy that? Well, you know, I feel like a donkeyless far, farmer right now. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want that, you know, because it, it's going to fulfill something in my life. So we put spin on all sorts of different narratives. Now, I may be, um, I don't want to step on toes, but like, I was just thinking about like, okay, what, how do we bring this out of the, out of the context there and bring it into our current day? Where is a place that we see the most spin? I would say, as I was thinking about it, what we post on our social media. I mean, how many of us actually post like, just like the honest thing of like what's going on in our life? Like usually we post things that tell a certain story about what's going on in, in our life of like, man, I love this food. And we went on this date or whatever. Didn't tell you about the fight we had on the way to the day, but like, look at the food we had, you know, and all this kind of stuff. I mean, we can put spin on what we want people to view or those type of things. I think what Jesus is saying here is let your communication, whatever you're saying, be matched up with what you say, be actually matched up with who you are, your character, and I think we have to go beyond just like, just talking about oaths in here, which is what we communicate. Let what you communicate be truthful, true and trustworthy. And so here's the thing. We have to go beyond just what we say. I think what Jesus is calling us, if he was, if he was here, he'd be saying, whatever you communicate, whether through your, your mouth or through your fingers, let it be true and trustworthy. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. The point that Jesus is making about oaths and vows is they're not necessary when your word is true. They're not necessary when your character is in line with what you say. You don't have to invoke something greater than yourself to, to make people believe you when your character and your integrity is matched up. 
And if, unless you'd like think like, oh, okay, they were doing that in that day. Again, Eric, I feel like I'm kind of off the hook, but let me just say, we have all these phrases where we kind of do the same thing. And let me just point them out to you. Can you go a day without saying some of these phrases? Okay, when, you, when, I, when I say your phrase, I just want you to go, mm-hmm, okay? All right, here, here it is. Okay, guys, I'm serious when I say. Uh, to tell you the truth, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, Okay, what were you before, okay? Before you said honestly, like, I'm just curious. I, sw- I swear, I swear. God is my witness. Not as many as there. See, you're kind of like the Pharisees, right? You know, you're not gonna pull God into it, right? But I'm gonna, I'm gonna do all the other things. But we don't need to swear by those things. We don't need to loft up our words because heaven, the throne of God, earth, his footstool, Jerusalem, city of the king, your head, you're not even uh, over the color of your hair. Now, here's, here's where we're gonna have to live in the context because I don't think Jesus was talking about, he didn't know that men and women go to the hairdresser and change their hair color all the time, okay? We can't actually do the last one, okay? So oh, that was a joke, guys. I was just uh, making a joke. <laughs> but here's the thing is um, Jesus has done something really profound that I think we need to, to, to listen to. He has put the very presence of God and the very authority of God in all of life. Okay, so the the Pharisees and the scribes would be like, okay, the temple, that's sacred, or the altar, that's sacred, or my head, you know, those things. But Jesus is saying, listen, listen, like my presence now in this kingdom, and after I am raised from the dead, like my presence is gonna be in every believer. He's, he's not saying it's just that, those things that's sacred. He's saying like, no, my, my spirit is gonna be, in, like that's what Jesus is gonna do in his kingdom. So he's, he's bringing his presence into it. Everything is God's, including your head. Now that's sobering. What Jesus is painting a picture of is his kingdom where his followers are living in such a way with what they say above the surface, what people see in the 10% of the iceberg matches with what's below the surface, what's unseen to them. That's what Jesus is calling his followers to, to live out that type of value in there. That we should be, that we should be mindful of what we post and what we say, that it's true. That we're not, that we're not taking something and, and posting it or, or saying something that we don't even know if it's true and there's a lot of that conspiracy theories that are going on right now. I've seen Christians posting and reposting things that may not be true because they're so fearful of what's gonna happen that they're trying to control the world and others' view. But Jesus is saying, listen, I'm sovereign over all. I'm sacred. Like, I want you to live as if my presence is with you at all times. So that what you say actually communicates truth. So going back to the iceberg illustration, the 10% that everyone sees above the waterline, that it would match what's below, that you would have such integrity, that you would know that God is overall, he is he's with you. I don't need to call upon something greater if I live out my yes be yes and my no be no. 
There's no qualifier we need. So let's look at the last thing of what we must do. What we must do, verse 37, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Now, another translation would say, comes from the evil one. Okay, so if I, if I say something that's it's not yes or no, but I have to invoke something else to make it more true, or what I'm doing is actually trying to manipulate or deceive or spin a certain narrative, if I do that, then I'm actually in line with the evil one. Okay, the evil one is the father of lies who distorts reality, who wants to enslave people and bondage and use people to take God's good intention and turn it to self-serving rather than what he intended it for. So if we do what the Pharisees and, and scribes were doing, manipulate, say half-truths, invoke something outside of ourselves to make something appear, to use someone else, what we're doing is actually in line with the evil one. Man, that's sobering, isn't it? Like we think like what we're doing is actually, you know, they don't really know what's going on below the surface. So I'm gonna say this. They'll probably never find out. That's actually what Jesus is saying. It's actually really dangerous because again, going back to that proverb, life or death is in what we say. Is it in line? It goes in line with the evil one. So this is really, really sobering. Don't miss this. If we're, if we're doing that, we're in line with telling those lies that lead to distortion of reality that lead to using others for our own gain. Hypocrisy is presenting something as we are not. Like it's, it's presenting something like that we are something that we're not. When Jesus is using these words, present falsely or to, he's saying like, you know, you use these words to hide from one another. And you use religious language to invoke them, to, to think that what, is, what you're saying is actually genuine. Now, like we do, the, we do this all the time. I do this all the time. Like say, hey, I'll pray, I'll pray for you about that, but really have no intention of praying. Or I have a peace about that, but really I'm pretty unsettled. Like we can do it in all sorts of little ways. We can also do it in, in ways of thinking about like, hey, yeah, uh, let's, let's get together. Or, and, and maybe you set a time, but then if something else comes up, that seems a little better. It's just like you break your word so easily because something else came up. Like we can do these type of things all the time, but Jesus is calling his followers to live out this right side up kingdom with this value of not hiding or pretending from one another. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about one of our core values of being courageously real. Um, one of our core values kind of goes into the heart of this. Like we want to be a people that have the courage to actually say what is true and what is real. And here, and here's what it says, just right off from our website. Because our sinful tendency is to hide what is true about us. And because Jesus condemned hypocrisy in the strongest terms, we choose to take off the mask. Now this is written before the pandemic. <laughs> we choose to take off the mask and rest in our true identity in Christ, being honest about the struggles and joys of life of faith. When I read that, I'm like, man, that's the value that I actually want in my life. Like I want, I want people to know who I am. I want people to know the joys and the struggles of faith. 
in my life and your life. And the thing is, when we, when we hide from one another, we actually miss what our heart longs for, which is to be known and to know others. Because when we hide or present a version of ourselves, what happens is, is they actually don't get to know us. And then the connection and intimacy that we actually want doesn't happen. Does that make sense? So the very thing we want by spinning things and presenting a false narrative is actually preventing us from getting the very thing that God created us to have with other people and himself. And so that's why that's one of our values. It takes courage to live out this way, to actually be honest with each other, to live out this value in the kingdom. And the comforting thing that, as I was thinking about this, is Jesus knows and sees us. He loves us and invites us in. He calls us to be with him, to live out this in his kingdom. And when Jesus is the deepest satisfaction of our hearts, we can actually be truthful. We can actually live into this. When we understand that we're accepted and loved and that Jesus has actually done all that we can do, that we are actually, can actually live into this. When, when that is our deepest satisfaction, we can actually live into this value. So here's what I, here's what I want uh, for us to conclude. There's a lot of different ways that we could apply this text, but I want to just... Um, I want you guys just to take a couple minutes and just ask, you know, if we're taking what Jesus is saying seriously here of living this out and being this type of people, then we would say, okay, God, you are, you're calling me into recognizing that you own everything, you're over everything, you're sovereign over everything, and your spirit indwells us. So right now, I want you at your seat, you can use these uh, two questions as prompts. Or just, just, just pray right now, just use this. As you say, God, I wanna be a person who lives out this value that you're talking about. Holy Spirit, I cannot live the way that you're calling me to without you. Like I cannot live this way in my own strength. So what I want you to do is I just want you to take a couple minutes and just ask the Spirit, Spirit, would you take the words of this text of what Jesus is saying and apply it Help me live this out. Just right where you are. the elements with you for Lord's table I'd like to invite you to, to peel that off as we prepare to take that together as I was walking through this text uh, myself I just I was reminded of, of how often what's above the surface doesn't line up with what's below in my own life and I needed uh, the good news of Jesus to just pierce you know, my heart again. And so I, I wrote these words as, as we come to the table. 
Jesus, I'm reminded again that I need the transforming work of you in my life so that what comes out of my mouth is in line with your kingdom. That I cannot live this truth in my own strength. And so Father, as we come to your table, we remember individually and corporately that Jesus was the only perfect one. Without hypocrisy, completely whole, that his words were true and not a disconnect from the seen and unseen. He never used anyone for his gain. He never manipulated, but he said what was true, even if he was going to be misunderstood. And his words brought hope for the hopeless, healing to those who are sick. His words are powerful, speaking to each one of us through what he has done, his perfect life lived, his death on our, in our behalf, that he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So wherever you are today, would you recognize that Jesus is calling us to live out these kingdom values in his new humanity, to be restored to God through faith in Jesus, because we are his children. We can represent his ways in this world through his spirit. So as we take the bread in our hands, would you stand with me? We remember that Jesus' proclamation of who he was cost him his very life. And his body was broken for you and me. Take So we hold the cup and remember that his life was the price that was paid, that we now have the spirit indwelling us. What a cost, what a gift. Take and drink. And in closing, I want us to sing uh, this song called Ever Be. And I was thinking about this in the song, the lyrics, I want them to be the truest thing that we could ever say about ourselves and about who God is. May that ever be on our lips. May we be reminded of that truth as we sing this song.